Hello, everybody. Welcome back to La Cantina MX Football Podcast. This is going to be a spicy one. We have a semi-final. Both are Clásicos. And we're going to be talking about how they got there. Some other news. Andres Guardado retires from the national team. Now we can praise him. And we'll reflect on his career. And some of the problems with the national team. Um, we also had some champions over the weekend. So, Matias Almeida and Orbelin Pineda, champions of Greece. And, of course, we can't not talk about Santiago Jimenez and his victories over there in the Netherlands. But before going any further, let me welcome my good friend, Joel, to the podcast. Joel, how are we doing? I'm really good. And, and I know uh, Jaime, you were throwing me under the bus. <laughs> with 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 um Almeida with his big big win in the creek he hoisted another championship and uh Orbelin made another Mexican uh, successful I I didn't see that get as much like in Twitter like I didn't see that go around as much as like Santiago or Chucky um it's almost like people stop following Almeida or just don't care too much about the Greek league. Um, I don't think that league has direct, like they don't have a direct ticket into Champions League. They used to. Uh, yeah, so they might have to do a playoffs. So let's hope. Let's hope uh, because it could be, what, three teams Three Mexicans, because what was it? Zero this past one? Uh, what are you talking about? <clears throat> Champions League, there was like no Mexican representation in this. Um, Ajax and Napoli. Well, who was saying that? Did they even make it for it? Someone was Napoli, telling us in the podcast. Napoli lost in quarters. Um, Ajax, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they lost in the round of 16. Okay, I misunderstood. Uh, it was Al Pastor. He was. He uh, said he wanted to see more. It made the Champions League more exciting. Or maybe they didn't even get. So, no, they didn't even get out of the group stage. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um. So now you know there's there's more. Yeah. So I mean, I didn't throw you under the bus, but I, I do remember you <laughs> you mentioning that. You know, Matias is very good at knockout tournaments, right? You saw him in yeah. in the Conca Champions and the Copa Mekis. And then even in in the Mexican League, our format is we go into a knockout stage. And he did very yeah. well with that. And the whole criticism was, you know, after he left Chivas, number one, he downgraded. He went to San Jose, um, which yeah. is like the armpit of, of the MLS. And he did not have, you know favorable results there and you know that is like a long season format they do have playoffs and then now he goes to yeah. the greek league and and this is uh i mean i'm not really sure how the greek league works but I, I do think it's a long season format so he did he did win in a long season format in greece yeah and i think that for him it shows progress because he and, and by when i started like going on at, at an almeida i was more so when Chivas was doing bad and the Chi hermanos kept asking like if he would have stayed, if he would have stayed, and I was saying his track record like in, during the regular season has never been good. Uh, so he did have the, he promoted the, 
on-field rework without second division. So we just look at first division. You could, you know, you could Google easily Google his his numbers with River Plate, Bonfield, and it was mid-table. So not bad, but uh, but yeah. at the same time, like River Plate, not good enough. So they let him, you know, they let him go. <clears throat> and then he came to Chivas, and his track record of going of qualifying to Liguilla was fifty percent. So out of six tournaments, he qualified three. And then oh, the other three. I see. And with his last two tournaments being pretty bad, he finished 15th and 17th. I think there was the season of when he finished 17th where he didn't win a single game at home. And so I'm like, dude, you know, you know, you, we kept seeing these, um, these reports that like, uh, oh, Ecuador national team or, um, this EPL team or La Liga. And I kept thinking, are they, are they watching the games? Cause they, don't, you know, uh, in the, you know, there's, uh, they have straight relegation and, um, yeah, but, but, you know, like, like you said, in, in knockout tournaments, he would do good. So he would do good at, at Copa MX. He won two of those. He won the Supercopa, which was the one-off against Veracruz, who former owner will be talking about. Yeah. In a bit. I should say current owner, because there's going to be another Veracruz that is not the Veracruz he has. Um, and and then he won, he ended up winning the, the Mexican League, and then he won the CONCACAF. So he, that's where he, he would look good through those tournaments, but if you were just to look at his record, just league, then it's like, it looks pretty lackluster. But I mean, him, yeah, like you said, San Jose, he, he never managed to get that team off the ground. Yeah. Uh, same because MLS is like split. So if you were to add the two conferences, I think they always fell between like mid to bottom table. Um, and I mean, again, at, at the same time, they weren't really giving him much to work with. And I always did feel just from seeing that Chivas team he had of the doblete season when they brought, you know, they brought him a lot of good players. So I always felt like if if he was to stay like in um, Liga MX and he would have a team like Tigres, Monterrey, Cruz Azul, that he would do well and have them playing really good. Because he did, like the Chiva games under him at that point were really fun to watch. So I did a little bit of research. The way it works in the Greek League is there's 14 teams, and they play each other both home and away. So there's regular 26 regular matches in the season. After that, they break off into two groups, uh, the groups that are going to be competing for the playoffs and the other group that is trying to stay alive and not get relegated to the second division. So, yeah, after 26 matches, they go into sort of like a – I don't know, like a round robin format. They play ten championship matches, and oh, oh yeah. So in the regular season, uh, his team ended up in second place with fifty nine points, and then oh, that was really good. And then in the playoff, they ended up accumulating the most points and ended up with eighty three to to top the table. Yeah, such an interesting format. And then the winners of this championship go into the third qualifying round of the Champions League. So they're not they don't have a direct spot in the Champions League. You know, got got taken away, man. Yeah. Kind of fucked up because some of those leagues would they added like what 
third, fourth place to some of the other leagues. Yeah, some and this this all goes back to how the national team performs in Europe, right? So the more the, the better your country does in on the national level, uh, the more spots uh, get you get in the league for for Champions League. So Shit, I didn't know that. I, th- I thought it was close. There's, you know, a, it was there's really... a coefficient, you know, like the uh, it's all related. Yeah. Oh, so like you've noticed, like pace. you know, England, Spain, Italy, they they almost basically always get like four spots. You know, they get three direct, and then the fourth qualifying, and then so you know these leagues, like even the French league, you know, I, I think they've gotten more spots now over over the years. And some some countries that used to get like a spot don't get them anymore. And it's just like the level of 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 how the the country is doing in the Europa, you know, the Euros and all that stuff. So yeah, it's pretty interesting how how it's all been formatted in the last couple of years but yeah i don't know i mean look I, I i'm gonna be playing devil's advocate here like look i'm happy for matthias and, and i'm happy for orbelin pineda right it's better than i don't know if he would have stayed in mexico or whatever uh, and then you look at santiago jimenez and what he did with feynord this season but i'm not convinced that the either league is is as good as Liga Mekis. I think they're on the same level, if not a, a, a tier. I know for sure the Greek league is a tier below. The Dutch league, yeah. you can give it the argument that it's more consistent. Like they 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 keep the level of of of, of competition consistency throughout throughout the season. But I mean, apart from Ajax and PSV, man, let's be honest, dude. A lot of these teams wouldn't be able to hang with Liga Mekis. I think Liga Mekis could could win most of these matches. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, dude. But I understand that, you know, taking the step into the Dutch league, obviously Ronaldo has, he started his career there at PSV. Obviously, you have a better chance of lining to a bigger club and having an amazing career. So I'm not trying to knock on the Dutch league. All I'm saying is I'm sure Cruz Azul and our friend Avdias would have appreciated if he had stayed a couple more seasons and tried to win some silverware. If if we would have stayed more seasons, they could sure use him right now. Is all I'm saying. Oh, uh, he's on mute. What's up, man? No, I'm having some issues with my audio. I can't hear jack shit. I have to leave and come back. Oh. No, yeah, we were just mentioning like how you probably would have uh, appreciated having Santi Jimenez right now, and did he leave premature for you guys? You know, I don't think so because of the toxicity of the Mexican league and just kind of how it all plays out. He was able to leave because if we remember at the moment when he left, he it was a controversial moment. Okay, he was heating up. He left like early, about. All right, let's remember the Mexican league is a little bit weird. So kind of towards the end, like the, the finishing phases of the early season is when he left. He was leader of the Leo, but the season before, man, it had taken him forever to, to get back on track with the goal again. Luckily, because of who he is, Lafisión stayed behind him I and see. like really supported him and did all that. But he struggled for a long time. And then... Internally, if you like the Cruz Azul fans, a lot of the media and everything that was coming out, it was like, what's going on with Santi? And he was he was sick. He was having a lot of health issues, X, Y, and Z. 
And that's why when you hear him speak, one of the biggest things that he says is like, you have to find God first, you know, your Lord and Savior, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes through that route. I think he left at just the right time. It's kind of like Orbelin. Fuck, bro. I miss Orbelin. Orbelin was balling out in Cruz Azul. Yeah. Oh, same. Same as winning it. Right? So they both left Cruz Azul, unfortunately. Orbelin left through the back door. Santi left through the front door because of who his dad is. He's a club legend. And then it just kind of went from there. I am excited to see what he becomes. To see what happens, because let's be honest, el pinche mame has been over three thousand. <laughs> All right, and I want to shut this down right now. There's a lot of people saying, "Oh, this is the example." Like, look at him willing to take a pay cut and take his chances over there in Europe, and more players need to be like him. Number one, his circumstances are a lot different from most Mexican players, right? He comes, he's equal to Papi, right? He comes from money. His his dad was a successful player. I don't know if they would have given him a look if he if it wasn't uh, uh, because of his connections and who his dad was that he even had this opportunity, right? So his situation is not the same as as a lot of young kids. And they would have given him a look. They would have yeah, given him the patience. Exactly, because that's the big thing. Porque hasta yo, I was like, chinga, mijo, like, nomás porque no tenemos delantero. <laughs> like, cause that was it. That's all that he was doing, right? He was holding on the spot, and he he had ups and downs. He won the title con cabecita. Cause that year, con cabecita, he missed out on a lot of goals. He didn't really come into play until the final, where he scored the most decisive goals, and he did a lot of work in there. So it's one of those things where I don't think he, I don't think we would have given him the time that he needed in Mexico. Because one of the big things in Mexico is we want results, right? And we want results now. And part of the big conversation was when Santi first left, it was like, oh, que va a ser titular. And then llegó, and nothing. Danilo is in front of him. Mm-hmm. Right? So there was that, that concern of like, oh, is he going to suck? Is he going to just be stagnant? Is it just another um, bench warmer? Yeah. And then here we are. He's... He's been doing it right. Even when he left, I said it. I was like, good. He's going and he's training under Robin Van Persie. He's training under the big names, right? Yeah. This is exactly what we want. And I will say, yes, this is this is the model to take, right? And I get it. And we've had this conversation before of, like, the Mexican player isn't willing to go out and pick picar piedra anymore. Well, who is? The Argentinians are. The Brazilians are. The children of diaspora. And there's something in Mexico that makes you way too comfortable, and the paycheck is too good. You get paid a lot. Mm-hmm. So no well, tienes when you have your creature comforts here. No, but I mean they would have done the same too, you know. Like not, not every player wants to leave. It's it's a lot of them, and you see it from interviews. That's the best thing of listening to some of these interviews, that especially now we get more because podcast and whatnot <clears throat> but you know they'll say stuff like if they could have stayed at home they would or or so some for some players of course that that's like their dream to to play in a big club and champions league and, and do all of that but uh, a big majority of them not not so much man you know they they eventually get tired because it's like this routine of you know, like they have to follow these like rules of going to bed and, and what they can eat and what they can't eat and 
and training and it's like a daily and the traveling and traveling can be exhaustive man especially if you're doing it you know week in week out just always uh, you know in airports and on the road and and you know let's keep in mind a lot of these guys have been doing that since they're 12 already like doing tournaments and living in Casa Club and so it's like they get to the point where like I'm tired of this shit I, like I don't really want to do it there's there's always of course exceptions of like people that love that shit and they'll just or they retire going to coaching and like, like look at Tuca you know he's like 70 and he's he's still doing all of this but not everyone's built like that I do think uh that's why I guess, just long story short, I guess that's why I'm not so harsh on the players that like don't want that. Wants to move away from their tacos, their salsa verde, their salsa roja, the music, <laughs> the Mexican comedy. You're not gonna get comedy like Mexicans anywhere else in the country, man. That's Those true. are that everything. The smelly guy that they call Simba, and you're like, why Simba? Or Simbañarse, you know? <laughs> like, that, that's too, the lifestyle. It's another thing, leaving everything that you know. It's not an easy choice. And on top of that, yeah. you get paid well to stay home. Yeah. They're paying <laughs> yeah. you well. You you know the language. You're, you're, you don't have to leave your comfort zone. And, you know, a lot of players don't necessarily need to leave the domestic league to 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 be considered uh, a success, right? You've had a lot of players that really had their entire career in the MX and they're considered, you know, great players, you know, Claudio Suarez, um, one of the most capped players, right? He never left your, uh, to Europe and everyone calls him the Emperador, right? So. And like, even on modern day players, you know, who's a perfect example of that to me, Mosso, Alan Mosso. Alan Mosso to me is not a Mexican national team player. He's not a European-level player, but he's a great Liga Mekis player. He did well with Pumas. He's doing well with Chivas. I'm sure he'll tell you he wants to leave Europe, but if we're being realistic, he has zero chance. But Liga <laughs> Mekis, though, he's a great Liga Mekis player. I love that guy. And that's a guy that's like, why doesn't he leave? I'm like, because he's perfect for Liga Mekis. There's no reason for Alan Mosor to leave. But then it comes into play with one of the things that we were talking in the last pod, in the last cast, right? Of like, hey, cuando los ves a ellos jugar, verdad? La diferencia entre entre la pasión de ellos y nosotros, verdad? So, because for them, there is no other way. There is no other way forward. Like last time we were talking about, why does Argentina do this and that? Because they have four lower levels to support their primera división. Right, so these kids, like you said, have been grinding since 12, but guess what? They don't have another choice. They don't have any other way. And that's where you get that passion. When you get that size kit, I don't know where my next meal is going to come because the only thing that I can really do and that I've been doing since I was 12 years old was kicking the ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, and honestly, relegation, promotion has a lot to do with that. I look at Napoli, they just won Serie A, but I also look at Italian soccer. There's like, what, 10 divisions, over 9,000 teams, a part of those 10 divisions. So to reach the pinnacle of success, it means so much because it's so difficult. 
But when you play, have a league where it's always going to be the same 18 teams with a chance, also that passion kind of wears out as well from like the regional levels. <sighs> well, some, ple- some teams stay complacent, you know, because there's no real, um, di- you know, the- if you suck, you just pay a fine slap on the wrist, but th- you're not going to the second division. And I think that needs to change. We'll see, you know, they keep talking about how they are going to bring back relegation in Liga Mekis, but uh, I don't believe until I see it. Um, while we're on the topic of like players taking the chance and going to Europe and establishing themselves, uh, Andres Guardado announced his retirement from the national team as if we needed to, to take a guess or, or wonder. But now that we've had, you know, now that we have closure on this, like, and reflecting on his career, I mean, ended up becoming the most capped Mexican national player with 179, and he's been to five World Cups, um, and he left at a very young age, right? I mean, he was only at the Atlas till 2007, and since then, he's been in Europe. So his entire career has been in Europe, which is pretty impressive uh, to stay relevant and to still be part of like the starting lineup, too. Even, even now at Betis, he's still part of the starting lineup something that Linus couldn't do. So just want to know what your, your guys' thoughts on where that career has been. And, you know, if you guys would consider him, uh, one of the, the best players of all time in, in Mexico. I put him top 10 for sure. You know, recent memory. If you think about Guardado, you think about he's too old. He should have retired sooner. Uh, this and that, uh, you know, we already know you retired. Why the Hector Herrera retire with you, take him <laughs> with you, all that? Yeah. But if you're being like objective and you look back in the day, Andres Guardado, 17 year old kid playing against Argentina, you know that like disrespect he had for that team in that World Cup game. And us, most of us, you know, being young kids during that 2006 World Cup. Oh, game, yeah. Just like the inspiration, like, wow, this 17 year old Mexican's going against like these powerhouses then you see him go to europe and like every league every team he played in he was the starter he was doing well and then you see him transition from like you know left back left wing to like center mid and then the teams he goes to he's a captain and he's lifting titles everywhere he has a huge presence in the locker room so yes if you take if you look at him from an objective point of view from how he started at 17 years old to what he's done now and he's always been like a reference player on his teams he's easily top 10 mexico's history for what he's done in europe and he deserves all the respect in the world but will i be one of the clickbait guys and say guardado you took too long you should retire last year yeah but objectively easily top 10 in my eyes yeah and i you know i gotta give him credit because when he went to valencia i think he didn't get the success that he thought he was going to have. He got loaned out to Bayer Leverkusen. And, you know, his career took a dip there, right? He was only there for a short time. And then he rejuvenated his career at PSV. He kind of had to take a step back uh, to take a step forward, right? You know, like going to the Dutch League compared to the Bundesliga or La Liga. Maybe not as competitive, but, I mean, the fans just loved him and embraced him as one of their own. And I think he spent some time there with Hector Moreno too, right? They were both at PSV together, and and yeah, just a, an incredible career. And then he's and then he goes to Betis, and then just kills it, man. Like, hundred and sixty three appearances for Betis. That's that's incredible. They won a Copa del Rey and stuff. Like, 
Yeah, it's awesome. I don't know if we're going to have another guy like Guardado. You know, I'm looking at at this new generation, bro. I don't know if they have had the mindset to to do it. Uh, I think Orbelin does. He just needs a chance, not get screwed like how Salta did. But I don't know if what I mean, already, I would say Orbelin's not even close to what Guardado has already done, right, at that same age. How old is Orbelin? He's like 26 or something, right? 27? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, if you factor in the age, you're right. But I think if Orbelin gets a shot, he could have like a good six, seven years in Europe. Well, let's not forget Orbelin has something that Guardado will never have, and he has an NCAA championship because he came and he played in the U.S. his college career. He did? Yeah. yeah Where? He played in the U.S. Um, I want to I want to say UCLA. Nah, you're tripping, dude. No, that way. Yeah, nah, yeah. I don't his parents you. are in the U.S. The Mojaditos. That's why they can't. They couldn't go see him play in Mexico. It, there was a really fucking heartbreaking story about it. He, I, I think you got mixed up with somebody else, dude. Yeah, oh, guys, I'm about to pull this one. Hold on. What? Co- what co- college? Orbelin Pineda. Nah, I don't. UCLA. Believe. No way, bro. I'm googling Orbelin nah. Pineda UCLA right now, and I don't see anything popping up. Nah, it's probably somebody else, dude. Yeah, you're thinking about somebody else. So you're gonna tell me everyone's like deleted everything from the internet? I don't <laughs> see anything about. Isn't Orbelin. he from like? Uh, Where's he from? I know he's like. There's some Guerrero. Yeah. Yeah, Abdias, I think you're you might have missed. I'm gonna find other. it, guys. Hold on, hold on, I'll find it. No, no, no. Are you sure you're not thinking about a female player? There's a lot of Mexican players that that played at UCLA. He he got his sources from mediocierto.com. That footballero site. That footballero site, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cat. <clears throat> it's it's gonna be a while till we see another player like like Guardado. And, and just how he like you mentioned, yeah, he, he took up multiple positions. You know, he had the speed, left back, then winger, and then center midfield, and still has the legs to go up and down the pitch, man. That's that's impressive. I hope they do like a you know, like a match in his honor whenever Mexico has a has a match in in Mexico, because you know they they have all their friendlies out here. But it would be nice for him to get the recognition he deserves. No, for sure he deserves it. I mean, if players like Cuauhtemo, who was another legend, got a despedida, Guardado deserves one as well. But the thing is that Mexican memory is so short because if you look to the Mexican social media sites, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like his announcement of the retirement, like so many of the reactions are like the laughing faces and you go to the comments, they're all like dissing on them. And I'm like, I get where you guys are coming from, but if you think if you, if yeah. you're only taking the last year into consideration, but if you look at his whole career as a 17 year old kid leaving leaving Mexico and everything he's managed to accomplish, nothing but respect to him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it reminds me of like where uh, Marquez, you know, he left at a very young age from Atlas to Monaco, right? And that was kind of like unheard of at the time. For a young player to do that, as he was just getting capped by the national team, I mean, he won that '99 um, Confederations Cup and then got shipped out to Monaco. So, 
pretty impressive. And another thing, too, to like look at this objectively, we have not produced enough competition in the last, I don't know, like maybe five years. Like the fact that he was still getting capped for the national team, made it to 179, made it to five World Cups. It tells me something. It tells me that we are not producing enough talent. We're not producing enough competition. And the fact that this man can still make it to the roster of the World Cup at the age of 35 is a little bit alarming. No, I completely agree. Like, that was one of my critiques as well. Like, you know, Guardado should be on the team. But then you look at, like, all right, who should take this place? Like, Guti, that plays for PSV. You cannot tell me that Guti is superior to Guardado in any way. And maybe Guardado's not superior to him, but there's, like, no reason to say besides maybe youth that Guti should be starting. But it's like Ancelotti says, I don't care about youth. I don't care about age. I care about who's a better player on the field. Yeah. And Guti cannot say that he's a better player than Guardado, so he can't even knock him off for the starting position. And we've had, like, Pizuto, right? He went to uh, uh, what, what uh, Lille in, French, in France and... Unfortunately, he got injured. And then he also had... um, Who was that guy from America that went to Belgium? Uh, Gauvert? Gauvert. Yeah, you've had him. He hasn't really, like, panned out. Like, is he back in Mexico? I don't know where he is nowadays, but... Did Monterrey bring somebody back? He is at... Yeah, he's on Monterrey. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty sure he... I haven't even seen him play that much. I know. Yeah, I mean, you've had players, like, go to Europe, and they just just haven't panned out. I I found the info on Orbelin. Oh. He he did not play in the U.S. (laughs) That's what I thought, It happens to me, too, Avideas. My my brain writes fan fiction. So who's the UCLA soccer guy? Who was he confused? Like, you know what? I'm going to be dad right now. Wait, hold on. He, he, no, Pineda, Pineda from his, uh, he was from a small town. He said he didn't even have like internet and just poor. And he, he ended up trying out for Querétaro and he made their under uh, 15 team. And he stayed with them. He ended up um, being in the squad. They had Ronaldinho. When uh, oh, Querétaro yeah. was there, and um, I said Ambris was already, um, I don't know if he was playing him or he took him to the first team. Not sure if he got playing time, but it's, it happens a lot with the when they see the promising players, they bring him up to practice with the first team. Um, so then he got sold to Chivas, but no, no, uh, no. I think he was confusing it with the with the Mumuwe goal when they cross the border and then get scouted playing the cascarita. Um, yeah, dude, he's well, the not. The like version of the goal movie <laughs> in the college scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just really quick on something we were mentioning about players that you know, come from really poor families and situations. And then when they make it, they sort of like will lose some of that, um, uh, 
forgot what it's called, but you know, um, some of that drive to to want to do better because they sort of made it in, in the fact that they were able to buy like property, maybe put an oxo and pay out dev and all that. Uh, but this guy, you you've seen that he's he still has maintained that drive and stayed in Europe despite taking a pay cut, and it's paying off for him. So I think that's when you see difference in mentality between certain players. And some of them are willing to do that, and some just they don't they don't care for that. Yes, I mean for these players, I will always wish them the best, and you always hope that the club gives them the best resources, like financial advisors, mental coaches, things like that. But at the same time, I can't judge them because if you think about it, if you come from the slums, from 0 to 15 to 17, 18, once you actually start making that, all you know is the slums. Sometimes you don't even – you have one meal a day, and now you're making thousands, hundreds of thousands a month, millions a year, and all of a sudden you're supposed to become the expert of how to manage all yeah. that money all that temptation when you literally had nothing. So that's why it's very hard for players to stay at that peak through of their career, you know, for five, ten years. That's why you see players that have two, three good years and then they fall off and you don't hear from them again. But I can't judge them, man. You can't be used to nothing and then have a whole world in front of your face. And that's where it comes to the club. That's where the club needs to give them the resources. You know, I was reading that book that um, Ray Ray Orozco had recommended the soccer nomics book, and they were talking about how he was surprised how many clubs would sign a player, you know, from a different background, like Latin players. They said that they really had a had really hard time transitioning from you know South America to England and and Italy and all that stuff because the club would just send them on a plane and sometimes they wouldn't even pick them up or, you know, they put them in a hotel and did not give them the resources they needed to make, you know, to, to be comfortable and like find a house and, and have a translator and, and all that stuff, like the financial part of it. And a lot of these players would just wouldn't pan out. And then there was a transition or like a epiphany with some of these clubs that realized, Hey, we need to give these players the resources they need to make sure that all they have to worry about is to play soccer. They don't have to worry about where am I going to live, you know, who, uh, the 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 translator and all that stuff and 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 the money part too, right? And I guess like out of all the clubs like Milan is like really really good at doing that. Like by the time you get your you know your contract and sign it, you already have like a personal chef, a driver, a house ready for you and like your family's already got a bunch of school recommendations. Like they take care of everything. And I guess like um, more and more clubs are starting to do that right now. And I feel like in Mexico, they should do that with, with all these kids. Right. Cause especially with like the money part and not have not knowing how to handle fame and <coughs> excuse me, we heard Aguirre talk about how he would give young players like advice and stuff. And we need, we definitely need more of that in Liga MX. Yeah, definitely. I don't know why we take clubs so long. Cause at the end of the day, it's your investment. If you're going to pay someone, stupid amounts of money you think you want them to pan out you don't want to keep recycling through different signings every transfer window i think uh who was it Mourinho. Mourinho was talking about that some clubs spent so much money on the transfer window and that the other club barely spent anything and he's like but who did that club keep 
And then he's like, well, they kept these stars. He's like, that's better than doing signings because you're keeping all your stars. You're keeping your original investments that are panning out. But uh, And then there's sometimes there's like behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't know about. I saw Tevez today. He gave the reason why he never learned English. Oh, you know, yeah. everyone always makes fun of him. He was talking about one of his uncles who was a River Plate fan. He got called up for the war, and then it really ruined him. You know, he was like 17, about to go pro. He became an alcoholic. Like, he went down the drain. And he was like, to me, English culture was just a job, but I despise it. I had zero intention of ever learning it. I was just there to collect a check. It's not because he was stupid and then want to learn English. It's not because he couldn't learn English. He just had zero interest in learning that. But he learned Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that interesting what you said, Jaime, about, you know, because you were saying how Mexico should do that or at least um, yeah. offer to take. In the Mexican League, the club should do that, I should clarify. Mm-hmm. And it did remind me of um, Alexis Vega when he, he did that interview. And he talked about how he wasn't in Toluca yet. He wasn't like, he didn't have a contract, but he was like one other, um, they have like a division or or like a group of like players that they keep calling back for training and tournaments. And then out of those, they end up giving contracts for them to stay at their clubhouse which is for the youth and he said how he went to talk to the to the trainer and he was like I can't afford to make this trip can you let me stay in the clubhouse and he's like you can't because it's you need a contract for that so he just stopped going he said he just he didn't go anymore they went to look for him and they were like you know all right you you could stay (laughs) you can sleep there you can sleep on the couch um, but it, it's crazy that, that it, it, you know, like you were saying, it's to that point where they're going to lose a top prospect just because of that. Like they, they kind of didn't, kind of didn't even, um, have that, at least that, um, foresight to be like, let's pay your, your, um, like travel expenses at the very least, uh, or give them or have food there for them, you know? Because, yeah, he he would talk about that. And it's kind of similar of, of like, Ronaldo, the phenomenon where one of the bigger clubs, I don't know if it was Flamengo or Fluminense, but same thing where he couldn't afford to make the trips and the club wouldn't, wouldn't pay for it. So he ended up at another club. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, just for not, you know... Oh, and I am so happy that you brought this up because obviously my credibility is already shot. But yes, this is a oh, no, problem. I, I do that a lot, dude. I, I like uh, your story better, though. So my, in my you know, mind, in I, my mind, Orbelin, I'm going to tell my kids that Orbelin was an NCAA <laughs> champion <laughs> and his parents couldn't cross the border. <laughs> you, know, man, you know what, man? We all know that he's alive to us. <laughs> That makes for a better Netflix movie. Yo, bro, the the loop that's happening over here, what I'm writing, just wait, all right? Pero this is one of the big problems that happens in the youth development across Mexico, right? Like, yo, these kids are popped, man. Like, if you guys saw that shitty America documentary on Netflix, right, where, um, who is it? 
um, I can't remember, but they're talking about how like how long their trips had to be as growing up, going to the trainings, and all they had was a piece of bread, right? And so these kids are poor. They don't have anything else. They can't even make it through the lower ranks. So why aren't we bolstering those lower ranks? Like what's what's happening there? And like you said, you, a major talent was almost lost just because he couldn't make rent anymore because of the expenses of keeping up. So this is one of those big problems that we're seeing. It's like, well, why isn't there development? Why, you know, we keep importing, we keep having all these issues. Well, then systemically we are broken as well because we can't support our even lower ranks within our teams, our canteras. Yeah. Yeah, and even when they make it is they also need support because going back to Alexis, he was saying after they came back from that month of games, he was expecting like 15,000 pesos of his account, which is a little bit over $800. And there was actually 1.8 million pesos in his account, which is $102,000. So my law, my thinking is if this kid is expecting 800 bucks and I'm about to deposit $102,000 into his account, you don't think I would give him a warning? I'm going to financial <laughs> advisor over. Then, you know, fans are complaining three months later. How come his Instagram's all Jordans? Because he could never buy them. No, he can. Like, no financial advice, no nothing. How are you going to give somebody <laughs> from 800 bucks to 100000 in a month and not even give him a financial advisor or, or some resources or even a warning that you're going to deposit that money on there? Hey, you see that, that 100K in your bank account? You know what you're going to get? Tashas y perico. Pero no importa. Porque tengo tasha y perico. Here I, I found it on the on the wiki on Ronaldo. Um, and he says he was turned down by Flamengo. The team is supported as a boy after missing practice due to an inability to afford the fare for the hour-long bus ride. Yeah. Whoever kicked their man was be kicking themselves in the ass, dude. <laughs> you know, Ronaldo had a lot of, like, bad luck throughout his career. Um, he had a really stubborn coach at Inter called Hector Cooper, and he, he, says, uh, he, said that, yeah, he said that he was the worst coach ever because they would... They would train like they would make them run like eight or nine kilometers every every practice, and he said that that had a lot of wear and tear on his knees, and and then he just didn't play him like he refused to play the uh, Ronaldo and he and like everyone kept saying like leave him alone like you know you don't tame like a wild bull you know like Ronaldo's good just let him do his own thing, but a lot of the but for some reason Cooper was just being so he was being so hard headed and still made him overtrain. Them boomers, man. Yeah, he was very, he was very defensive. That that part too, you you end up at a club with a coach that, that I think they said he was, he was too defensive for the Italian league. I think that says a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> well, folks, we've made it this far without talking about the results over the weekend, and I want to say it's an interesting uh, final four that we have. Some would say maybe even scripted, but we had a 13th place Santos 
keep Monterrey at bay in the first leg, 0-0. It was probably one of the boring matches out of out of all of them. And then, of course, in, in Monterrey, uh, Rayos had a better luck, and they ended up winning 2-0. And I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm just a anti-Vuse fan, and I just, I just hate – I hate the way Monterrey plays and and they're in first place, but I am not convinced about this team at all. Then we had um, America and San Luis, which was probably one of the more entertaining ones out of all of them. Um, San Luis lost at home 3-1. And then on the return leg, they were up 2-0 on their way to a third goal. But in the end, America did score and ended up making it to the semifinals. However, for the first time in like 25 matches, they they did drop a loss at home, uh, even though they got through on aggregate. And, you know, America coming into this semifinal a little bit unconvincing. And uh, I know we have Ron with us tonight. Maybe he, he can give us his... His uh, his take on on America and and how they will match up against Chivas. I, I think I thought it was to be expected. I thought you know I thought uh, the team was going to be a little complacent, and and I'm sure it was. You know the first half they were they were complacent, um, and I just it just like it seemed like they weren't playing with urgency. I mean honestly, I'd rather have this hiccup right now than in the semis or in the final, you know? Mm. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes that, that, that kind of scare can, you know, well, I mean, it could, it, it's a double-edged sword, you know? It yeah. could it could build into something, you know, worse, or it could take off some of the pressures, like, okay, well, you know, because, you know, they've been talking about, oh, the team only lost once in the entire season and blah, 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 you know, whatever. You know, sometimes you just, you need a rude awakening. Uh and I think I, I I honestly think that they're they're a disciplined enough team that they'll they'll get over it. Mm. Um, and obviously, I mean, Chivas, believe it or not, even, I think Chivas has more pressure because of what happened during the season. Because I mean, Chivas just got outplayed, bad, like really bad. Oh, they got exposed and, pretty pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, they they they, they did. So I mean, I, I think that. I think psychologically, I think that that's going to play a role uh, in stuff like that. Um, yeah, but, and we'll we'll get into yeah. Chivas in in a little bit. I, I do want to talk about how they got here, and that was against Atlas, right? The first game, and and El Jalisco, and they did a really good job of boxing out all the all the Chivas fans. It was primarily a, a, a Atlas um, crowd, although it was pretty empty to be honest for a, for a quarterfinal. And I'll, I'll be honest, like a non-existent penalty goes in our favor. Pocho Guzman misses. And, you know, in these type of scenarios, el que perdona pierde. And that's exactly what happened. Atlas scored. And, and we were very lucky to just concede the one goal. I think the best player on, on the pitch for Chivas was the poste, like at least two or three times. And then in the return leg as well, Chivas managed to scrape a win. Um, and get through on a tie and it was a very very frustrating match and and leaves a lot of uh, uncertainty with with how far Chivas can go as far as like the pressure and the expectations 
you know, it's crazy how different perspectives we have with America. Any, you know, them failing to make the final would be considered a, a fracaso for for their coach and, and for the club. Meanwhile, for Chivas, like us getting to the semifinal is considered a win. <laughs> that right there bothers me though, right now, because I mean, I've, I've already hear I'm already hearing pundits talking about that if America doesn't win, that they need to get Dano out, and I'm like, well, replace him with who? You know, I mean, it, it, it takes a, it takes a while. You know, I mean, I. I honestly thought that they they thought that they were going to win it last season. But they fell short. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I, I don't think I don't think you should be you know ask you know wanting to put them on on the chopping block already. Even if like if they don't win the season, I really don't. I yeah. think you know I think I think that if they do fall short, obviously they'll have the summer to you know to. Because I mean, honestly, there there are some players on that team that I just ha that have no business being on that team anymore. Like you know, Vinas, like you and I think it's just a matter because he's you know going to retire soon. Uh, in fact, he actually you know he said that this could be one of his last you know uh, playoffs in his career. So I mean, and, and he's aware of that. Uh, Martinez, I, 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 Roger Martinez, I that guy to me, I don't see why I I, he's I put just him there with a paycheck at this point. I, I know, honestly, I, I, I see him as Fantic, you know, part two. I mean, I don't know how the hell he got with that team. I mean, you know, congrats to his agent. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it is. It's just a guy. I mean, the guy plays only in one speed. I mean, he he just he, he just has no vision. I mean, I, I've just I've never been really happy with the way he plays. Uh, Vinas, I had high hopes for, but it, it seemed like he just, you know, I, I don't think he's going to recover. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's some players that I think need to leave. Uh, but I mean, obviously I don't want to you know, talk about that right now because obviously the season's still, you know, uh, uh, going on right now. But like I said, I, I, I've already, I'm already starting to hear the pundits talk about, you know, if, 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 uh, if America, you know, crashes out of the semifinals, you know, because I mean, losing in the semifinals sucks, but they're going to, I mean, they're already talking about, oh man, but if they lose to Chivas, that's it's an even bigger embarrassment. Yeah. You know, you need a clean house and blah, blah, blah. It's like, come on, you know, it sucks, but it would suck. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't start every, you know, for, I wouldn't start from scratch. But I Hold on, do you say it's a bigger embarrassment to lose to Chivas than it would have been to lose to San Luis? Bro, San Luis had you guys on the ropes. <laughs> Your team was under duress. All right. El culo le sudó a todos. Was, right? okay, was San Luis ever in the semifinals at any point? I don't need history. What's happening no, right no, now? No, what no, happened no, right no, that game? It wasn't in Mexico. It's the way that you play and the way that you lose. That's why the pundits are talking about getting them out. No, no. In the two games, was San Luis ever qualified to the semis? No. Exactly. You know why? Por la jalada que hizo el América a couple years ago, right? Here's the thing. What would have happened? America, they should have even called a penalty, a couple penalties in favor of America in the first leg. So it should have even been that close. Yeah. You know, if anything, San Luis was lucky to even have a chance. You know, it's just it's like, I think it's crazy that they that they did have a chance. I think that's the part that like kind of blows everyone away. Is like this shouldn't even have been this close, but it was. And it's funny because like I've been and and Hoyle knows me. I've been saying this. He's done, you know, 20 years. 
you know, America doesn't get favored by the refs. In fact, I've always argued that the refs have a hard time, you know, uh, calling games with America because they just, because I don't know, call it the pressure. I don't know. Damn if you but do, damn if you don't, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it seems that America always tends to get fucked over by, 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 the, uh, by the officiating. So, like I said, I mean, did they have a couple hiccups in, in, in that San Luis, uh, um, you know, encounter? Like, you know, yeah, sure. What, 45 minutes out of what? You know, one, one half out of the four? Come on. You know, yeah, it, it, it sucked, you know, but it, it's not, it's not the, the, the disaster that some of the pundits are making it out to be. My dear good sir, you guys didn't score until the like seventy some. It was late in the game. And hey, your wind was out of your sails. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Right? It was late as fuck, dude. Yeah. Like it wasn't looking good for you guys. And the <laughs> only reason why you were gonna go through is porque lloraron la vez pasada que los sacaron por el por el gol de visitante. So for that bullshit, you were moving through. So es de la maneras que pierdes, and that's why the pundits are talking about it. Just like when Tiboli sat down, put his hands in his pockets and sat down, like, fuck, Toluca me está metiendo el chorizo. No, they <laughs> get up. They You're about to get fired. To they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. One thing I learned from that series, though, is that at halftime, the Azteca was booing the America players. And those are the same guys that boo the Mac- Mexican, Mexican national, national team. team. Yep. I yeah. was like, if, if it reaches the last 10 minutes and San Luis is up 3 nothing. You know that puto chant's gonna come out too. <laughs> and Henry Martin had to come mm. out and say, Why are you guys booing us? Like, you know, later, like, I think he came out today and said it. He's like, He should have said we... that. Uh... He's, well, he posted, he said, Why are we getting booed at 45th minute? He's like, If the game's almost over and we're losing and it's done, I get it because we didn't get the result we wanted. But he's like, It's the 45th minute. You should still be supporting us at least till the end or when it looks like it's a wrap. He should have said that. That's that's like mental midgetry right there. That's almost like what's his name of the Chivas player that say what's his name? The one that was uh oh please don't boo us, it hurts our feelings. That's Fabian. Oh, Fabian, yeah, Fabian. It's like come on, you, you, I don't I don't he should have said that. You know, I get it. I trust me, I understand and I agree with him, but I think that it kinda like how that backfired on Fabian, you know? I, I just, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, players need to have that thick skin and just, you know, just be quiet. Even though I agree with the sentiment, uh, you know, that, you know, for those 90 minutes, you need to support your team. And if you need to rant, you know, vent and rant, you know, once the whistle blows, okay, I get it. You know, but, but uh, this is a stacker. This is the stacker, man. You sh- y'all, y'all should already know. I've said for years now that I think Ahmed needs to move out of the Azteca and, and, and just build their own, you know, stadium, 45, 50,000, you know? That would be they pretty cool. Their own. It was called the Azteca. So, well, like I said, I, I don't know. Well, just... you know, in England, they have like the, um, what is it called? Wembley for the national Wembley. team. Wembley. They have a dedicated stadium for the national team. And then, you know, all the other teams in London have have their own specific stadium, right? I don't know if, yeah. if that I, – I, what I will say is that Cruz Azul needs their own stadium for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want an Azul badly. 
or something like that. You know what? No, I want fuck Las Vegas. Las Vegas flooded all the time. All right. Yeah. Uh, and you was, guys remember that? That was horrible. I was, you know, I was thinking about this. By the way, is uh, Cambia Rayas here? Uh, is he on the podcast right now? I don't think so. No, because I was thinking because America. I mean, they play San Luis, and you know they have the stripes. And then if they're gonna play Chivas, they have the stripes. And if yeah. they advance and they play Monterrey, <laughs> obviously the stripes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking. I'm wondering who he's gonna root for because he's always rooting for, you know, you know that's why we call him Cambia Rayas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there uh, is uh, one more team in this semifinal. Uh, Tigres. They had a incredible first match, four-one, and. You know, you have like Mr. October in baseball, but Zignac just shows up in these Liga matches and he's always a threat. And then in the second leg, man, it, it really felt like, oh, here we go. Nacho Ambriz going to have a crazy comeback. And in the end, uh, it was actually Zignac with an incredible play, set it up for Sebastian Cordoba uh, to secure the next round for Tigres. And uh, how much of a fraud is Nacho Ambriz now? Is no, he a he's, he's, no, he's a good coach. Dude. I know, I know. He's a good coach. But you know, he has choked in these last couple of like you know Toluca, right? And the they they lost pretty bad against uh, Pachuca, and then now you get eliminated by Tigres. Uh, I don't know, man. He's falling short. Like he fucked up on everybody. I mean, Busetti, Ferretti, La Fuente, all those guys, dude. I mean, the fact that he's there, you know. Putting him his team in a position to you know to, to you know to play the final. That's really all you can ask. They lost eight especially, to two though, man. Eight to two in the Pachuca final last year. Yeah, I mean matter. this thing, but those are accidents in game two. I mean, I wouldn't call it a fraud. I would call it a fracaso because that was on Bree's own words. He says if we don't make it to the final, it's a fracaso. So that's him. But at the end of the day, there's what eight teams going into the playoffs. Is one a winner and the other seven are frauds? Not everybody can win. I wouldn't go as far as call him a fraud. He's a good coach. He has a good team. Are they falling short? Yes. But I don't think that necessarily makes him a fraud. I mean, he's done results with Leon. He's done results with Toluca. He's just falling a little short right now. But he'll be back to a but final. That's every coach. I mean, every like every successful coach going back from today is Miguel Cárdenas. You know, La Puente, or, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's not like they won every season, but, you know, they, they were always, you know, knocking on the door. I mean, they were always up there, you know? So I, I think, I think he's, a, I think he's, a, I think he's a really good coach. And I think, you know, in the future, I think he'll get his shot. Uh, his teams, I like the way his teams play. Uh, and like, you know, I agree with a lot of like the people, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't think any coach, uh, I don't think any coach in the league, has his curriculum. Yeah, he really checked off a lot of boxes as far as like who should be eligible to coach the national team, but in the end he wasn't he wasn't picked, right? And yeah. you look at you know the results he's had with Luca since since he's returned to Mexico after he failed to to make a splash in in Spain, he even went to the second division to just to even have an opportunity. And, yeah. and you know, like you gotta, you gotta give him credit for that. But at the same time, man, like this doesn't I mean, look good. Was... This doesn't look good for him is all I'm saying. Like he finally got the reinforcements that he wanted. Right. That was one of the, 
one of the criticisms that he was, you know, when he first joined Toluca and he didn't have a successful season, he finally got like Volpi and, and all these players and he's gotten them to a final and then they just got absolutely demolished. And then now you get eliminated by, by Tigres and it's just like, have he, has he reached his like plateau, right? Like, is this as far no. as he can take Toluca? No, dude. But how much is it on he's the got, players? Too? He's got he's got years ahead of him, dude. He he, he really does, you know. And it's like I, I was, uh, you know, when Nacho was in the in the mix, you know, for the national team, and, and they were talking about like, oh man, just the Mexican coaches—they're not ambitious and blah 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 blah. I mean, I was looking, for example, I was looking at the Argentine league, and and they have what thirty or almost almost close to thirty teams in the in the first division, and I was going, you know, you know, club by club. Out of those twenty-something, twenty-eight-something teams, you know, twenty-something teams, only one had had coaching experience uh, in Europe. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I forget what's his name from uh, Bayern. You know, he he coached, and I think he also played in Bayern Munich. So it's like, well, I, I mean, Nacho Briest is really the only one that has you know European experience, you know, in terms of uh, you know coaching over there. So I, I, I don't I don't see him, you know, the way I, I don't see him as a failure. I think, like I said, I think he's a very, very, very competent coach. I wish they would have given him more opportunity in, uh, at America. Yeah. But like, uh, I mean, I don't think he did all that bad in America. I mean, I, I, like I said, I think he had a, a rocky relationship with the press. Uh, but I mean, he, he did well in Leon. He's doing well in Toluca. You know, I fairly well in America. I mean, he did, you know, they did win the, uh, the, the conquer champions, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. But again, like I said, I think his, you know, no one can question his curriculum. Nobody. Yeah. It's tough, you know, for, I think if you're a Toluca fan, it must be tough to, to see that go down. You know, it looked like they had secured like the comeback and then, you know, Tigres kind of ruined the party, but, what what happens now is we have a semifinal showdown, and it's Monterrey versus Tigres, and it's Chivas versus América, and you couldn't have scripted a better semifinal. And um, I feel like every team has had has been exposed. Actually, actually I would have preferred I would have preferred América Chivas in the final. A combination a combination of them like América Chivas and, and Cruz Azul Pumas. And Cruz Azul Pumas. That's, Personally, that's what I, you know, to me, that's the ideal semifinal. Uh, yeah. Hold on, hold on. I get where you're coming from, like the top four teams, but like what I see with these finals is like old school, like traditional clubs, even though America has been around since the 80s because they're a TV product. <laughs> and then on the other bracket, you have like that new school, like new money trying to power their way into and trying to say they're bigger than America, they're bigger than Chivas because they have the money, they have the trophies in the last 10 years. And then out of that, you're going to get a final with the same thing. You're going to get a final with history and tradition versus a final of almost like Mexico's own version of oil clubs. Yeah, I, I like it. I like the setup for it. Did, did you I say America, did you say America's a, a product a, a television product? <laughs> yes, America's a television product. America used to play in Seoul. America used to have a little bird as a logo, and then you guys got bought out by Azteca. I mean Azteca by Televisa. They changed your mascot. They changed your kit. They sent you to Azteca. They put you on primetime television 
So people will start watching your games. You know, you know, like, what was America called before you America? I can't remember the name, but it's some little bird or something. No, Canarios Cremas, Millonarios. Or Canarios, or yeah, or whatever but, it was. But there was a there was a there was a, a crest, a logo. Uh, it was a triangle, and it had a, a, an eagle. So the eagle isn't isn't foreign to America. And okay, and if you want to talk about uh, uh, a commercial product. Chivas, they were making movies in the in the fifties and sixties. They were actually they were in in in, in movies. Yes, but Chivas America, was in America, movies. America, America Chivas was had, going to Europe on tours and going head to head with European teams and getting great results because Chivas had great players. Chavo and America, they're the they were the ones that took Mexican soccer. Abroad to the Amsterdam 1928 Amsterdam uh, Olympics to the 1930 World Cup, it was their people. So I mean, America is you know the fact you know the, the whole thing that oh they're just a Televisa product from the 80s, that is just a lie. <laughs> that is a complete and utter lie. I, you I, know they've been they've been they've been there since the beginning. They were the superstars. They were the ones that knocked out. Basically, that took out you know, that took out the, the the European communities. You know, like when when like you had like all all the like you know like Asturias and and, and España and Germania and and all of those when it was just you know, like you know the European like expat communities. America is the one that dominated them and won four four titles in a row in the twenties from twenty four from nineteen twenty four to nineteen twenty eight, and that was the base that went to Amsterdam. Uh, for the for the uh, for the Olympics, that was the base that went to the 1930 World Cup, you know, and stuff like that. So if it wasn't for America, they were also yeah. the and they base scored the four touchdowns in team, one Ron. game. What that? Wasn't like the 19 where we cut Mexico yeah. like last place. What's the, <laughs> but why? But, but I'm saying, why wasn't Achivas then? Why wasn't Achivas, you know, uh, do, taking the initiative? Hey, look, I'm just gonna to, say like, I'm not gonna argue with you about the love for your team. But me looking uh, at the argue. music I, point, I have receipts. Well, I'm not going to debate. debate. <laughs> hey, wait, come on. All I'm going to say is that Televisa is known for its corruption. Televisa has their fingers in every... Well, not anymore. Now they have a competition. But they used to have their fingers in every corner of Mexican media. If Televisa didn't want something on the news, they would be able to block that. And you're going to tell me the team that they control, the team that they have on primetime TV... That they have no outside influences for that. Right, right, right. I'm going to this level that's not going to have corruption in its port. And the team that is backed by the biggest media company in the country is not going to be favored in that result. I'm going to do it. would not be a Clásico Nacional, though, without Televisa. Round one, let's fight. I'm going to debunk that right now. <laughs> If she, if, if Televisa is as corrupt as you as, as you want to say it is, okay, in terms of soccer, I'm not saying that. Not, I'm saying no, 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 even past, no, even past. I'll even, I'll, I'll, get, I'll do you one more. I'll go to the 1970s. Why would the Canedos and why would Ascarraga Milmo invite a a nobody, a fucking small club from Jaso uh, Hidalgo? I'm referring to Cruz Azul. Give them, I said, hey, give them the Mexico, give them a Mexico City uh, fan base, give them Azteca, 
give them basically, you know, notoriety. Why would they do that? Because why would you? You create a rivalry. So okay, you got so, Madrid versus so, Atletico, so, Atlas so versus Guadalajara. So the, so you the create a cross-town rival. It's a product. Okay, no, but what I'm saying is, okay, if they were as if if if, if they had sinister intentions, okay, they would not. They would have. They, they would have suppressed Seoul. They would have never brought. They would have never convinced. Uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Alvarez's father to to bring in. Uh, you know, Cementos is uh, Cruz Azul into Mexico City. Those guys, those guys, you know, one of the things that you have to commend Ascarga Milmo and, 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 and is, is that he knows something. He knows that the high tide raises, raises, raises all boats. So he wanted, he wanted a strong league. That's why he also wanted that, you know, that's why, you know, in fact, it was, uh, it was uh, what's his name, Cañero and the guy from Cruz Azul that was basically saying, hey, Let's 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 kind of emulate what the NFL is doing and, and, and the Major League Baseball. Let's let's have some playoffs. So it's like this whole thing that oh oh it's just it's just to favor it's just to favor America it's just to favor America. That has been the biggest bunch of bullshit, you know that that's that's been and, and you know that's been told in in, in Mexican sports. And and, yeah, and it's, so you're it, saying that some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together. With some big shot at the bun company that's, that's, that's and decided to rip that's, off the American public. Is that what you're telling me? No, but I, I'm just saying it's just people, people, the, the typical Mexican fan is a fucking idiot. I, I, I'll say that. Okay, they are. And that in part, and in part, of, that, in, in part of that is because they lack common sense and, and they listen to these, you know, the, the, the Mexican pundits who are fucking idiots. Most of all, I'd say 99% of the Mexican sport pundits are fucking idiots. Because like you know they, they 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 you know they talk about like for example in Jose and like Jose Ramon and all those guys those are like you know they're just idiots. Well, Ron, I, I remember I remember that that used to be the big talking point of the refs favor America, and the, the journals would always say that in America's on a 13-year dry streak. Exactly. How are they favoring them again? How? To, to this day, to this day, okay, there has never been a case where the league brings in a foreign ref to coach a, a playoff match. They did that for America Monterrey in the in the early nineties. In fact, when what's his name, uh, Hugo Sanchez played for them. And if you and if you look and if you go back to that game, America was was robbed uh, by that Costa Rican ref Uraya or whatever his name was. But that's that's what I'm saying. It's like, well, you guys got that, Pro Eighty Five, so you know you live, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> uh, it doesn't take away that's a product, it's an entertainment <clears throat> product. What? I, but, oh, that's that's all the football, though. It, that's pretty that's much that, if you look at all the clubs. That's that's pretty much every club too. And that's not. And, that's every league. That's every league. Every no, sport. Every league now. I'm saying the starting. It started as a product. It did not start organically. They got boosted yeah, but if that. you if you don't have Televisa, then I don't think soccer will be what it is now in Mexico, because no, they then, they made it like national by televising, and it, it's not just TV. It's it's tele it's um they also had radio and newspapers and all that, but then they also were instrumental in bringing the two World Cups, so yeah. they they played a big role in the whole country embracing. Because it wasn't 
football, like as Ron was saying before, all these other clubs, like the Asturias, the Germania, I even had Oskaldi. Um, yeah, you, you, yeah, you had the, the Boston national team so, and stuff like so that. that. Yeah, the average Mexican saw soccer as a foreigner sport. And it, it, even you go that far back, it was expensive to play soccer because they wouldn't make soccer cleats or even uniforms in Mexico. All of that got like shipped in. And even like if you had a copy of the rules, they were in English. So it was like... All right, you need to give me like, like a, a time frame here. I don't know if you're talking 1920s. Yeah, 20s going up. It was even going up until like probably like the 50s, around the time that that um all the all it changed. But if you go that far back when it was being played, you had the other sports that were like had as much as popularity. I mean, wrestling was huge to the point that you had um you had movies. Wrestling in Mexico, they were doing Avengers way before. Man, you had Santos versus Mummies and you even had uh, Santos Mil Mascaras Blue Demon versus, you know, whatever. They, these oh, were ahead of the time, man. Well, hey, if you, I mean, if you really think about it, like, Seoul was not built for soccer. It was built for American football. Uh, Estadio, yeah. Exactly. Estadio Universitario, where Tigres place, was really meant for football. The, the original... Yeah, if you look like, at their logos, Ron, if you look at their old logos, yeah. they, they look like American uh, university yeah. type. Oh, yeah, so like the three, like, like, uh, El Tech, the, the El Tecnologico, the, the one that uh, Rayados used to play in before the new one, that one's all, that one was also built for, uh, you know, for, uh, football, for right? pointy ball. Yeah. But, but the point is, even, even before Televisa, or, or it wasn't Televisa, it was actually Telesistema, which became Televisa, but even before they got in, into the mix in the 50s, you know, they had, they had the, the radio wars. So you had a lot, you know, you had the radio wars basically based, uh, fighting as to who would have access to to the games, you know, in Mex, you know, in Mexico City, you know, you know, in Parque Necaxa, Parque uh, España, Parque Asturias, and all that shit and stuff like that. So you know, it's it's always been it's always been a business. In fact, it, you know, to the to the point where, in fact, Necaxa, Necaxa didn't want to join the professional league when when. You know, come. You know, we're actually coming up on an app. Uh, 1943, 2003. Yeah, we're going. What is it? But anyhow, no. So Nicaxa didn't join the league uh, when they went professional, quote unquote, in 1943 because they were against uh, professionalism. They wanted to be. Uh, uh, they still wanted to, the, the players to be amateur, quote unquote. But technically, they weren't amateurs. They were getting paid. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it reminds me yeah, of. Yeah, um... yeah. Have you guys seen the uh, the English game? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it's like they were paying players and they weren't supposed to, and they didn't like that. But yeah, it was you were supposed to be. It was all supposed to be about like sportsmanship and and being part of a club or whatnot. So yeah, it's interesting how yeah. how the game ha- had evolved. <laughs> If you if you read it the if you read like the history of Mexican soccer and stuff like that, the the, the, the schism between you know going from professional or from amateurism to professionalism is actually really fascinating. And there was a lot of a lot of uh, infighting between the the federations, the leagues, the clubs, and for a while, I mean for a while, you know the amateur, you know the the, the federations basically were taken advantage because it was the clubs. That were building and buying 
you know, uh, you know, uh, land, and they were buying, and they were building their casa club, you know, like their country clubs, their 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 field houses, their stadiums, and stuff like that. But it was the federation that wanted to keep the money from the gates, and so there was there was that friction uh, that basically it's like, you know, said no. I said, you know, it's like, you know, screw you guys. We're the ones that are investing our money building these stadiums and stuff like that. We're going to keep the, you know, we're going to keep uh, keep the uh, the receipts, you know, at the gate. And and that and that mentality came you know came about uh, uh, basically almost prior to the World Cup in 1970 because the first division and this is this is this is a key moment into how. Uh, it was good and bad for for Mexican soccer because prior prior to to the 1970 World Cup, the amateur sector in Mexico controlled uh, basically. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have the book in front of me, but I, they they controlled like 70 percent of the votes, you know. And basically, that was the amateur sector, and and then like the first division, second division, and the third division, they controlled hardly anything of the voting. So then the first division club says, you know what? We're the ones that basically draw the crowds. We're the ones that make money. You know, go go go, screw yourself. So they had a meeting in in, in, in Querétaro, and, and and they had a meeting in Querétaro, and they basically uh, they basically gave the first division and says, look, we're gonna this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna give ourselves 55 percent of the voting stock, and then and then like the second division gets like 15, the third gets this, and then the amateur sector is only gonna get this. So the amateur sector. Basically, went from having seventy something, sixty something percent, to to to, to like five percent, and and um, and what's what's interesting about this because at one point the most powerful man in, in Mexican soccer was the guy, the uh, the Concacaf president that that uh, that was before uh, what's his name uh, Jack Warner. Ah, oh, shit, I can't remember his name. So he was the he was the most powerful guy in Mexican soccer, and then from one day to another. He he basically he became a nobody, and uh, he despised Cañedo, because Cañedo was basically now the, the 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 you know the big dick now in Mexican soccer. You know he's the one that helped bring the World Cup and stuff like that. So the guy, what's his name? That was named Joaquin Soraya uh, Soraya Terrazas. That that was the guy's Mexican. name. Mexican. He was Mexican. Yes, he was the Mexican. In fact, they had they had the offices in Guatemala and stuff like that. So then what happened was that when the whole Cachirulas thing came out. He basically screwed over Mexico. He took it to FIFA. He, well, it, it, to, to stay in the good, to stay to stay in the good graces of the minnows like the Central American and the Caribbean, you know, FAs. He basically just so he could retain power. He kind of basically fucked over uh, Mexico. And in reality, well, was, well, just really quick run because I think uh, the, yeah. the first the first punishment was just for the youth team. Like yeah. they took away yeah. their their qualification and they were suspended for two years. Well, this is what got a bit confused. Did the FMF take the case to FIFA and then FIFA was like, so so basically that's what everyone's getting. So yeah, so that was for the Olympics, okay, and and for 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 the one in, that was going to be in Korea, uh, yeah, Korea. So they they were not supposed to they they were going to get suspended from that, but then Rafael del Castillo, who at the time was the president. Of uh, of uh, the federation, he says, you know what? Screw this! I'm going to go above. I'm going to go above uh, uh, Concacaf, which in reality was going above what's the name, Joaquin Torres Terrazas, right? And says, you know, screw them. So 
so then, you know, the guy took that personally. So he went to his, you know, his FIFA exec, you know, VPs and say, hey, uh-uh. That, that was our ruling. That's what's going to stick. So then FIFA came down. But there was an, in, but but there's there's been, you know, there were still. Was Cañedo a VP, though, for FIFA? You know, here's the thing, though. This is this is where they wanted the U.S. to qualify. But they weren't going to play Mexico, though. Like Mexico wasn't going to cross it. I know, but here's the thing: the U.S. was going to host the the U.S. was going to host the '94 World Cup, right? So, so the, the thing about it is, it had Mexico not had Mexico not been kicked out, disqualified from the '90 World Cup, okay. In, in most likelihood, you know, the two teams that would have gone to, to, to the World Cup in 1990 would have been Costa Rica and Mexico. So that means that the U.S. wouldn't wouldn't have participated in the 90 World Cup. And that's what FIFA, because FIFA, you know, they wanted they wanted to to, to basically start growing the game in, in the U.S. and stuff. And, well, growing it again, because because then this was the whole thing with the politics, because they the, the U.S. and Henry Kissinger well, uh, to, to yes, try to negotiate for the 86 World Cup. Right. They give it and to, they give it to Mexico, who had just Mexico. hosted it, like, what, 20 years? 20-something well, years prior? They hosted it in 70, and then they hosted it again in 86, but that's because Colombia uh, was not yeah, able to... Yeah, the earthquake. Or, well, no, 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 no. So Mexico just, had their... No, Colombia... Now, what happened was Colombia, when they when they put the bid for it, it was still a 16-team tournament. So then, oh, that's FIFA, right, they were 24. So people went to 24. Colombia said, "Uh, uh-uh, we don't have the money, we don't have the resource to take it to 24." So then, uh, it was between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. Canada didn't have the infrastructure. U.S. obviously had the infrastructure, but there's one thing that they could not get, uh, do to FIFA: they couldn't give guarantees. They couldn't get. They couldn't give guarantees that they that the stadium would basically have all the sponsorships of the of the FIFA you know of the FIFA like the FIFA partners, like you know because in fact in one of the in one of the the, the books that I, that I read, uh, uh, and this was when Seth Blatter was vice president, was that his fear was that you know they they wouldn't you know that that you would go to like for example Joe Robbie Stadium in, in Miami at the time. And they wouldn't be able to get all the sponsors and ad, you know and stuff like that from that stadium, so they knew that they could count on Mexico, and, and get you know get assurances from not only the the, the 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 you know the federation president, but they would also get the the assurances from the actual Mexican president you know the country, that like whatever stadium you want, whatever stuff like that, boom, you're gonna get you know. So, so but. Like I said, I mean, that, uh, shit, we went on a tangent, didn't we? <laughs> we Dude, we man. We another run. I, um, <laughs> I actually wanted to, wanted to, uh, get, commend, um, Al Pastor because he did, he, he did bring up an interesting topic. I, I really hadn't looked at the semifinals like this, but, you know, again, this is why we have these discussions. About the old, 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 the old money and the new money. You know, it's 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 an interesting uh, story, right? Because you do have the you know Tigres and 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 Monterrey that have gotten a lot of money over the last decade, and 
and it's starting to show, right? They keep uh, having these reoccurring finals and, and championships and whatnot. But we we do have the the try to two, you know the two biggest clubs in Mexico, Chivas and America, and, and they're like, hey, no, we got something to say about this. So it, it's going to be interesting showdown, no matter what who the finalists are. Um, but as we do look into the semifinals, like every team has been exposed, right? We saw Tigres almost blow it in the return leg against Toluca. Monterrey, again, have been unimpressive. And, you know, Chivas <clears throat> are lucky to be in the semifinals. Atlas had had dominated them in the majority of the, of, the, of the series. And then America, you know, coming in uh, against the San Luis and, you know, didn't really close the show the, the way the fans would have wanted. So, you know, going into these semifinals, like, who do you guys see uh, as the favorites or, or that may potentially have the advantage? To me, the favorite is Tigres. I will say, me personally, Tigres, North America, them and LAFC have the biggest death out of the two countries as far as roster-wise. And Tigres is that team that, you know, They've gotten complacent maybe from making so many finals that they know they need to turn up when it matters. And they have a good combination of youth. They have a good combination of experience. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. Like It's just going to turn up when it matters. And then you speaking of Monterrey, where they haven't been impressive, that's just Busa ball, man. That's all Busa is about, <laughs> is getting the result. Everyone sees the lineup. They see the players. You think they're going to come out and spank 3-0, 4-0? Hey, if it happens by accident, take it. But you can tell Busa is more about not getting scored on and just getting the result. If you'll move on to the final with two draws, he'll take it. Uh, as far as the least favorite, it's Chivas for sure. If you take Pocho and Vega out of that roster, Chivas is a ninth to 12th place team. If you take those two guys out, so if do those two guys don't show up to play one game, it'll show. Just like how it showed against Atlas the first game. And then America, they just got to fight their demons that always fight, where they're favorites throughout the tournament, and then they get to the playoffs, and something happens. You know, it's funny that you bring up, uh, as far as, like, who do you think is the biggest club? As of right now, CONCACAF did come out with their rankings, and they have Rayados as number one, America as number two, LAFC as number three, and Chivas as number four, Tigres at number five. So, yeah, according to CONCACAF, that is uh, how we rank. Now I'm assuming that's based off points acquired throughout the last I don't know what it's based off of because, like, Chivas have no... <laughs> Why are they there, dude? I know we won a CONCACAF Champions League in, what, 20... What was it, 2018? Yeah. I mean, that was, like... Five years ago, man. Six years ago, almost. Aren't they gonna play in the in the the league's cup or whatever it's called? Uh, yeah, everyone's everyone's, everyone's playing in the league's cup. It's a participation trophy. But um, no, Chivas, Concacaf, uh, Chivas have qualified for the for the next Champions League. Yes. There you go. That's that's part of it. It's it's to it's to hype up those matches, you know. Um. Chivas might not be the league champion, but they're like, what, the fourth best team of the region. And now you have your talking point now for the, <laughs> yeah. for the press and the media and all that. Well, I mean, what numbers did Chivas finish last tournament? Did they finish like fifth or sixth? Uh, 
No, Chivas finished in ninth. Oh, they finished ninth. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it was a point-based thing throughout the last two tournaments, maybe, but no, they finished ninth. Yeah. Then never mind. No. You know, the beauty about the semifinals is you do have 180 minutes to do something about it, right? So, you know, Chivas, because they finished in third, will actually host the first game. In my opinion, I think it's an advantage because we haven't had uh, a strong homestand and we haven't had a good favorable like result against America at home. Um, but in El Azteca, I feel like Chivas have everything going for them. Like a lot of fans from, from Chivas show up. It almost feels like our second home at times. And uh, if we do want to throw in some numbers into this mix, uh, the last time Chivas played America in the Liguilla, we defeated them. This is back in the quarterfinals 2020 under Vucetich and the Chicotazos. So, at least in, in recent history, Chivas do have the advantage. Um, but obviously, we saw what happened in regular season this, this year. And, it, you know, Chivas were exposed pretty bad. So, they're going to have to play very well defensively. Kind of like how they played in the second leg against Atlas. I think Mosso really surprised me and Chiquete as well, man. They had those players in their back pocket all day. But yeah, they made it to the this round because of that defense. My question is, where the fuck are the goals going to come from? Because we don't have a striker. And we haven't been playing with a striker. Hey, man. Paolo needs to call Guardiola and ask him how he won last year without a striker. That's it. Playing false nine. That's your only option. But I wouldn't know how they drop money on Rios. And he's not starting. Talk to you about how terrible he is. Uh, Charal, he misses like every chance in the world. Uh, I don't know, but I think they need to bring back Pulido. I'm trying to meet Pulido this Saturday. <laughs> if I do get the chance, I'm begging him to come back. Oh, <laughs> why? Uh, where is he coming? It's uh, St. Louis versus Kansas City, oh. and it's a rivalry. It's like considered a derby because they're both from the same state. St. Louis is like calls themselves the capital of soccer in the U.S. because it goes back a hundred plus years. Interesting. And soccer, soccer in Kansas has only been around for twenty years, but they're calling themselves the capital of American well, soccer. The Kansas uh, City anyway. Wizards. It was the Kansas City Wizards. They were an original MLS team in 90, 95, 96, whenever they you know did this professional league. Yeah, no, but <laughs> you know the U.S. Open Cup, St. Louis yeah, has won like the U.S. Hundred... Open Cup like nine times. That's I mean, crazy. That thing's, it, that thing's like a hundred over or like a hundred years old. Dude. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that there was another they, professional soccer team or something. St. Louis. That's why I was, I was surprised. Yeah, like no, they had league, a league, and they, yeah, were they part of like the with well, the a NASL? Did they have an ANSL team? No. No. No, there's like the first like legit team they have, like the nineteen fifty World Cup, where like the US beat England, like six of the starters were from St. Louis. Like St. Louis oh, has wow. a lot of soccer history. That's crazy. Why did it take them so long they... to get a professional team or like to get in the MLS, I guess? No ownership or team ever oh. wanted to put down the money and everything. Same reason Stan Kroenke took the Rams from St. Louis to LA. Huh. No one which just wanted to invest into it. But no, the history's there. But anyways, Pulido, uh, gonna show up an hour early to the warm-ups with my Chivas jersey, try to get his attention, and beg him to come back. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I he's going to tell you it's not up to him. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Tell, tell Yerro to make amends between you and Amaury because it needs to happen. If you were on the team right now, we would actually have a legit chance at winning this thing. Yeah, Pulido is definitely missing from this team. I mean, when we look at that 2017 championship run, I mean, he scored one of the goals in the final and was instrumental, right? So we definitely need a player like that. And unfortunately, Macias was supposed to be that guy, and, you know, he got injured. Yeah, you know, I just don't have any hope for Macias. How we were talking about earlier before, how they got to get, like, financial advisors, my preps and all that. I, I think they got to loan Macias out because if Macias comes back and he doesn't respond, you know, in the first tournament with the numbers people expect, I think it's going to get to his head. Or even worse, if he gets injured again. I think they got to loan him out to maybe the MLS somewhere where he has no pressure. <laughs> and he has, like, good doctors and everything around him just to the best of his care and just be out of the public eye. Because if he gets one more injury, that kid is done. That kid's going to retirement. Back-to-back ACL injuries, and then you come back in another injury, or you don't put up the numbers people expect, he's cooked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm liking these semis. Um, I'm going to – I hate Vucetich. I'd rather have Tigres in the final. <laughs> but maybe uh, – because, you know, Monterrey is going to have home field advantage, right? So – I would rather have Tigres and get a rematch of 2017, man. Let's play them again. Well, doesn't like Monterrey own America, America own Tigres, Chivas owns Tigres. Like they kind of each have like the upper hand on each other. So in finals, either way, yeah, either way, what pans out is going to be interesting. Yeah. Speaking of Monterrey and ownership and, and all that, uh, there was an announcement made earlier today about Televisa. It looks like Rayados and Cholos are going to be leaving Fox and they're going to be uh, under, you know, Tuden and, and Univision again. You mean you mean the owners that are in the FMF commission are all going to be in Televisa? The I mean, the TV rights. No, I know, but they're already like they all clicked up. Oh, they when did. When they did the FMF, the selection, the the commission, the you know, with the Maori and and the, all of those guys, they're the same, oh. same group. They were like, you know, and and I think that's that's that was the part probably why um, uh, the Pachuca guy was pissed off because he's. He's uh, he was trying to get a bunch of teams to buy Fox, right? Uh, yeah, the, Jesus Martinez he went on Picante a couple weeks ago, you know, stuff like that. But you you can't you you, you got to take what he says with a grain of salt because I mean I know, but that, that was his run. If if you look at it, here's the thing: that, he's already forming its here's you know the, like here's stronghold. Here's the thing. It was actually it was Grupo Pachuca, the one that started this whole bullshit about leaving. Okay, because I mean everything was fine, everything was fine when you just had Televis and TV Azteca and and basically Grupo Salinas and Grupo TV and Grupo uh, Televisa, they had the agreement. Okay, 
you know, one, you know, this year the team that you know gets promoted, you get you get the you get the rights. Following year, I get the rights. In fact, there was a there was a time when there was a point where uh, what's the name? McAxa had basically one promotion again, and and it was and it was owned by by uh, by what do you call it? By uh, Televisa, but it was actually TV Azteca that had the uh, the rights. So I mean, things were were smoother, you know. I mean, and 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 for the fans, we had access to all the games. And then basically, you know, TV, and then basically Grupo Pachuca get in there and they started getting a little cute. You know, it's like, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't want to negotiate with, you know, TV Azteca. We don't want to negotiate with, you know, uh, anymore. We don't want to negotiate with, you know, what's, what's the name, Televisa and stuff like that. So they started, you know, going their own, they started doing their own thing. And then, you know, Chivas starts doing their, their own shit as well. And it's just like right now it's a mess, man. It's well, that, that was the whole Chivas thing with, um, they were when they get on, and then they were kind of partnering up with with Grupo Pachuca because when they win the title under Armida, that's where all the players came from. The, the bulk of players were all Leon and Pachuca players. Yeah, and so I mean, they were like. So th- this whole that whole bullshit, you know, with you know with Jesus Martinez and all you know talking about oh we were gonna give you know Bielsa not the coaching gig but you know we were gonna have a talk with him. About you know him being the uh, the sporting director and this and this, I mean it, it's and then he's basically you know playing to the crowd and playing to the emotion that all oh, the fans have a ride you know están hasta la madre and shit, shit like that. I'm thinking what a fucking scumbag, dude. You know, <laughs> it's like he he's basically playing to the emotions, you know, and trying yeah. to feel like he's some sort of. You know, he's just in it. He's just in it for he's, for the sake. Of- he's adding more fuel to Al Pastor's fire for. Yeah, dude. Hey, you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, no tiene códigos, kind of like what this. Oh, that's what's the name? Uh, what's the name? Uh, Paco Ramirez, eyeliner guy. <laughs> that's what he said about Scapo. The, the the guy he hit right now, like that final Celaya Morelia. But anyway, that's that's a different thing. No, but. So no, like I said, I, I I wouldn't take what he says. Dude. You know, I, I take it with a grain of salt, man, because that guy. You know. Well, I know it's it's for the TV is what I'm trying to say. It's all right now, uh, or you want to say streaming, but I think this is a huge W for Televisa now that it has all these clubs under its wing, and I think Chivas is part of that too. Um, so because I think that the rights are going to be in dispute after the World Cup. TV rights, and oh, so yeah. those are, are more votes in the favor of. That's, um, that's when I predict after the 2026 World Cup. That's when I predict that there's going to be some serious, serious uh, power struggles in, in, in the because uh, I, I don't think that they're going to rock the boat right now, but I, I, I see it coming. And uh, and like for example, I mean. You have the Grupo Orlegi, you have the Grupo Pachuca. Obviously, you got the you know the Televisa people, you know. Yeah, but we could say Grupo Orlegi is already with. Seems like Televisa just checkmate, dude. With this, you know, the recent announcement because Grupo Orlegi is, you know, them being part of the the Comisión. It's obviously they're they're working with Televisa. And then Chivas is there too now. Um, 
So they were Monterrey and, and Cholos. Cholos was there too as well, but they think they made it official. I don't, I, I don't, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's check and make, Ron. Ah, uh, que mate, dude. I don't know, man. Like I said, dude, I, I, I mean, I, I, I personally look, like I said, I know what to expect with Televisa. I know what to expect with, you know, Salinas, Grupo Salinas. Uh, I don't, I re, and, and I really don't trust, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't trust the Federation in the hands of, you know, of, of uh, Grupo Pachuca. I really wouldn't. I, I, I think that they're, um, in many ways, in many ways, I think that, you know, like I said, look, I'm, I'm happy that they're a serious ownership group, but I, I, I think that they can be, they, they can be a cancer. Well, folks, we're almost at the two hour mark. Uh, I want to give you guys time for your, for your closing thoughts for this episode. Thank you all for all hopping on today. And, uh, yeah, if you have any predictions about the semis and how they'll go, we want to hear that. But if you have anything else on your mind, now's the time. I want to talk about natural these guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, yo, have I, you accepted Nacho as your Lord and Savior? Bro, all right. La guerra que le metió. Dude, I would have loved to have seen that in the national team. You, you guys can't tell me that that team doesn't have fight in it. That he knows how to engage his team, and that they he sends them out con el cuchillo entre los dientes, all right? Because that team was going out to kill. Yes, he fucked up on setting the line of five on the back way too early. Yep. But he could have done it, all right. And that's something that you cannot teach. That is something that coach he hasn't does. done anything that Piojo hasn't done with the Mexican national team, bro. Piojo did the yeah, same fucking thing. We had the conversation. Do you want to give Piojo back the team then? I do. I don't. I'm a Piojo believer. We need to evolve, man. We can't. You exactly. Know. So why can't, you, why can't we take a couple steps back? Because go we're going to get exactly the same result. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we can do it. I don't it. think any coach think... is capable of getting his pass around a 16. You said evolve, though, but Piojo's run with the selection is one of the best ever. Dude, we, no coach has compare, done, no coach has has given us anything past the round of sixteen since eighty six, bro. We've had, but that's at home, you know. Look, look at the amount of goal scores and how they played the teams. Uh, you know, all of the games. Um, it's one of the best World Cups of Mexico ever. If you if you you know factor all of that stuff. I'm going to say it till I die, man. Nacho Cuadro is my lord and savior. <laughs> All right. He's, he's I, I think he'll get I think he can do it. I think he'll get a shot. Maybe not this time, but I, I you know, like Ron said, that guy's going to be around for a while. He so, yeah, I see him. Now, moving forward as to the games coming up this weekend, I'm not sure, man. I'm shaky. All of everybody in here got very close to the sneaky pinky. Let's go. All right. Like you were very close to getting bounced out. America, don't get overconfident. That's the one thing that kills you. Right. Chivas, guys, you have to want it. You really have to want it. Now, I 
Buse, I don't think he's going to, like you guys said, he's just going to bunk it down. He doesn't care. If he can get a 0-0 draw, he'll take it. So, Simoldi has to go out to kill. But, if you, like you guys said, in the second, in the away match, you could see Gignac's age. He was slow. He couldn't see him the whole match. It was like, where the fuck is he? So it's going to be interesting whatever happens. If anything, my call is that we're going to be seeing Tigres versus America, the old school versus the new school. And I will say that soccer stays in the north. All right. It's a nice hot take. Thanks for hopping on, man. Oh, um, before you go, Wescas, who who is this kid and why is he being linked to PSV? And, and uh, there's another rumor. Uh, another, um, Spain is he well because Santi has gassed him up a lot, right? He's always talking about, like, yo, we came up together, he's the next player who's gonna be coming up, he's he's good, and he has been. We talked about him, I want to say, two weeks ago. I can't remember, I was down in Arizona, but I hopped on and we talked about him how he he lit up, right? He's doing really well. Um, he's just a young prospect who's coming from the academia, and if you watch him. He doesn't give up the balls. He's going after it. He's he's a very, very promising young talent. Al Pastor, I want to think, was the one who shouted him out a couple of weeks back. And I was like, yeah, dude, I've been keeping my eye, on, my eye on him. He's doing good things. And he is going to be one of the next up-and-comers if we follow the process and send them over to, like, the end of easy. Okay. All right, cool. Who's next? Al Pastor, what you got for me? Personally, looking at the first leg, if, I think if Chivas gets away with even a 1-0, I think it'll favor them. Watching what America did versus San Luis, the more time that goes on, the more the fans might start turning on them. And then, you know, just get that 2-0 and it's a wrap. It's uh, interesting. Everyone's doing the comparisons of Chivas 2017. So now... And how the coincidences are there. Yeah. But it's like people forget that, you know, we made that final just on draws. Drawing. It's not an option. It's not an option this season, and we don't have a striker. So I don't think Chivas needs to go out and get the kill versus America. Even a 1 0 helps. And then just go and put the pressure on them. You know, you're at home, you come beat us and maybe get them on the counter. With uh, tomorrow's game, I think it's a draw or Tigres barely gets the win. I think Boost is the same thing. He's going for the draw. But if I had to make my prediction of what the final is going to be, I probably would go with America Tigres as well. Damn. Ron. But honestly, what I'm really worried about first is Champions League tomorrow. I need Madrid. Oh, okay. Madrid. And then I'll focus on Liga Mekis. You want Madrid to win? Yes, I'm a big Madrid fan, so that's all I care about tomorrow. And then Thursday, I'll worry about Chivas. And then Sunday, I'll worry about Chivas again. Nice. My A's just had a walk-off win. I think it's their first win in like a long time. So uh, sending you the good energies. I cannot stand City and Pep Guardiola, so I, I also do hope that Madrid handle business tomorrow. Because if not, we're going to get a very boring final. I mean, the other finalist is Inter Milan. No disrespect to them, but I don't know. They're not a sexy team. And, yeah. 
they played a bunch of Italian teams to get to the final, so I'm not convinced that they can lift the trophy at the end of the season. The winner of the Champions League is going to come out of this match tomorrow for sure. Ron, what you got for us? Uh, I, I I read that uh, MLS is getting a new team in San Diego, highest uh, franchise fee. What uh, almost what half a bit, yeah, half a billion. And I'm like, when I read that, and then I was like, you know, for comparison, like for example, with like was it Toronto when they came in, or who was it? Like back, you know, in 07 or whatever. She was USA too. Yeah, the franchise fee was like what 15 million or 15 <laughs> million. So I'm like, Jesus, I think that's the route that uh, Liga, Liga MX is going to take. You know, maybe. But uh, no, um, no, I think I think that uh, 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 you know, I think America plays better when they're actually counterattacking, and you know. Them having to, you know, them playing in Guadalajara, Chivas is forced to, to take the game to 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 uh, to America. I mean, if, if Chivas, you know, plays like what how they did because Chivas sat back. Chivas, you know, Chivas sat back uh, the first game and stuff like that, and you know, America really took it to them. Yeah. And obviously, they had really good results. I mean, I mean, I honestly thought that that game was going to be five, you know, five nothing, six nothing, uh, but. And even then, you know, obviously America scored, you know, four goals in that game and stuff. But having said that, if if uh, if Chivas changes tactics and actually, you know, and tries to propose uh, and opens up a little, I, I think they're, they're, I think Chivas is going to have a long, long night because that's because I I do think that America plays a lot better when they're when they're counterattacking rather than basically, you know, you know, keeping possession. I think they're really, really good on those on those uh, on those fast breaks. Like you know, what's what's the name Fidalgo and and and, and Martin and Cabecita and stuff like that. So, I think uh, on paper, I I think I'm just a more well-rounded team and, and you know play, you know position position line by line. You know, uh, I think uh, I think America is going to win, but I think you know I th- I do think that Chivas has more pressure. Okay. Joel, what you got for us? Joel's washing dishes. No, I, no, no <laughs> dishes. Oh, I was just muted. No, I, I don't agree with Ron on the pressure. Uh, as you said, Jaime, earlier, she was just getting to semis. It's been a huge W. As long as they don't get washed against Ame, um, they will be seen as a really good tournament and something they could build. On um, seeing Ame sort of, you know, not being able to handle San Luis, I should it should give some more hope to Chivas, although Chivas is not playing well. Um, so I think it could be an interesting match. Uh, I would say Ame's favorites. If Chivas plays their card their card rights, and should you know, it's not like. And, you know, it, it's not like it's going to be that difficult to yeah. for them to beat America. It's not like an impossible task. Um, yeah, but but then the, 
the the big talking point and uh, yeah El Pastor uh, he took it from me dude I I had it the new versus old uh, but I think we 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 should add to that list Santos and Pachuca so you have um, the the traditional ones or America Chivas Pumas Cruz Azul but going back to say about 09 if you look at all the finals have been getting played and you're going to see a lot of Santos Pachuca, Monterrey and Tigres. You could say and, um, Santos and Pachuca are kind of like the money ball teams. Not a lot of money, yes. but can feel, you know, can get results. Yeah. 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 Great point because in that, that's also the big difference in how these uh, clubs operate with the, the Norte teams being the big money teams. Uh, I think it was, uh, Serral Pastor also said it, sort of like the version of the oil money uh, because of the big companies tied to them, which I believe both have extended their contracts for like 30 years. Uh, so, you, yeah, you see these two clubs bringing in the top players and, and spending the most and then the other clubs being more methodical, um, Santos and Pachuca. And I sort of like, Ame sort of falls in the middle because they stopped, they were the biggest spenders and they sort of stopped doing that. Uh, and they've been just more careful of how, what players they bring. And a bit surprising recently where they're getting all these MLS rejects and then just, you know, bringing them back. So, but I mean, I, I'm not saying this like in a negative way because America's been one of the most consistent teams. So, you know, they, they found what works for them. But but I think um, so for Chivas man they, they need to stay on it if they want to be competing because those are the teams they can have to be competing with uh, the ones mentioned obviously Cruz Azul as well so yeah that puts Chivas right up at um, two two four five around six sixth place um, they're probably like the sixth team dude. It's crazy. Uh, and yeah, Pastor was saying it again about how you took away two players and Chivas lost to 12. And that's kind of what we've seen recently because uh, Guzman arrived and Chivas went from from being like that eighth, ninth team. Oh, you know, they jumped up to fourth. So, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I think in the finals, how is it going to be? You know, one of the new, the newer teams that I know fans they, they don't want to say they're grandes, but to me they are the new, the new bigger teams, um, and with one of the more traditional. And you've had some of these matchups already. We've seen them already. So um, we've seen them already. Chivas beat Tigres seventeen. Um, I think Tigres beat America. But but I mean, you could go down and you could see. So a lot of these teams matching up already in the final. But I think uh, games like this are just going to start becoming more common. That's my take. Yeah, for sure. One thing um, that I, I find interesting is this is uh, Pao's first season in Liga Mekis coaching Chivas, and he's gotten us to a semifinal. And this is without us having a legitimate number nine striker. And this is also, you know, Yeto's first, you know, crack at this Chivas project. 
and we're already at semis. So I can't imagine, regardless of what happens this weekend, I can't imagine what the future for Chivas holds if they do finally secure like a, a bomba, you know, striker or or just a couple of more signings. I think this team can definitely yield results and, and finally win some silverware. So I'm really I'm feeling really optimistic about Chivas's future, and and I'm, I, I hope that these classicals live up to the hype. You know, a lot of the times these matches go, you know, boring. They you know teams don't want to give out too much, so they don't take risks, and they you know end up having some boring ass matches. But you know, so far for Ligia, the tone has been goals and, and drama, and and obviously a lot of controversy with some of these refereeing calls. So. Um, no doubt that this this week, you know, on Wednesday and, and Thursday, we're gonna have some entertaining matches, and of course, the the return legs on the weekend. So, uh, the football gods have have definitely blessed us uh, this this weekend, and uh, I hope everyone has a chance to enjoy them. And, and of course, want to thank everyone for hopping on tonight, and and of course, we'll catch you all in the next one. Good night, guys.